you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. It has finally arrived. It is finally draft week. And now, on Tapeheads draft season... We're at the finish line. Bob Oshusen, longtime radio voice of the New York Jets. Feels like forever. Also a uh, (laughs) guy who does play-by-play for ESPN for college football. And if I have been the Jet radio voice forever, it means that Greg Cosell has been twice forever breaking down the film (laughs) for NFL films. You are that old, and you have gone through that many drafts. 40-plus years of breaking down the All-22 we have spent the past month and a half, basically, on Tapehead's draft season, crawling behind the X's and O's, not doing the mock draft so much, but trying to give you as much of a real insider perspective on how teams evaluate players, on how they put their board together, when the hay is finally in the barn, the way teams are going to approach Thursday night and the rest of the draft through the weekend. And we're going to have episodes of this podcast that will drop every day this week. So normally we do them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The immediacy of the draft now happening on Thursday night, Greg, we're going to get you material every single day. So you're going to have new podcasts leading up to the draft and also then reaction podcasts to the draft each weekday this week. And uh, you know what? We're at the finish line, right? I mean, you've said that by the time you get to this point as an NFL team, you might as well even just send your coaches home because the board is basically set. Or is there still some tweaking that can happen all the way up until that first card is turned in on Thursday night? Well, I know for a fact, Bob, that a lot of teams did send their coaches home. The coaches were gone last week because boards are done. And I think at this point, barring any new piece of information that's unfortunate for a particular player uh, that comes out, you know, this week leading up to the draft, that pretty much nothing is going to change. Uh, Let's put it this way. I've not been in a draft room, so I don't know exactly how they do it, but my sense is nothing should change. If you're changing now, then you're not really comfortable with your own convictions because obviously the footage doesn't change from the season. 
uh, the pro days don't change. All the due diligence you've done doesn't change. All this work is done. So really, nothing should change at this point. Having said that, though, there are still a lot of varying opinions of of the top guys on the board. And we have done a deep dive into some of the dark horse candidates, even for day two and day three of the draft, the guys that you really might be able to look like a genius with your friends watching the draft when all of a sudden you start breaking down a player using Greg Cosell stolen information and, you know, find those diamonds in the rough. But let's circle back now to the top of the board. Let's get to some of the biggest names. And I think the most perplexing position is wide receiver because there are three or four wide receivers that people believe could go off the board, if not in the top 10, certainly in the top 15. At the same time, we keep hearing about how incredibly deep the talent pool at wide receiver is, how you should be able to find a really good wide receiver later in the draft. So if you have a top 10 pick, are these guys, in your opinion, collectively worthy of that type of a reach? Because you know teams are going to take them unless, you know, you, you start to think to yourself, well, you know, maybe I can use my draft capital to back out of the top 10 to pick a, a wide receiver later on in the first, in the second round. You know, how, how do you break this group down, especially the guys who I think we're going to hear their names called early on Thursday night? Well, I think because this is a different year, and by different year I mean we're not going to have three or four quarterbacks taken in the top 10. Um, there's going to be, I think, a wide variance in the way people view the prospects that are considered top five or top 10 prospects in this particular draft, because you can only draft who's in this draft. So I think that the same will be said for wide receivers. Um, I know that many think that the receiver that I have is my number one is controversial, and that's fine. I've spoken to teams who absolutely agree that George Pickens is the best receiving prospect in this draft. Now, because he had didn't play last year until the very end, and that was just a select number of snaps, and because of other things that I don't know about but I'm told about, that he may not be that guy. But I'm starting to get the sense that the way teams think is big play, Bob. And Jamison Williams, although he may not be ready week one, when you have game changers, impact players who can score, you know, it, in some ways it's the it's the Tyreek Hill theory. It's the idea that what are you trying to get accomplished in the NFL? You're trying to get accomplished now on offense, big explosive plays that score and that force the defense to have to play you a certain way, and that makes the defense predictable, and that's what offenses want. So I think as we get closer, and again, you and I don't know what's going to happen Thursday night. Of course we don't. But you know, just from conversations I've had and seeing the way through my film study over the last number of years the league has evolved, I think the big play explosive receiver is really of tremendous value right now. There are guys on this board, though, that have completely different body types. Oh, without question, yes. Completely different skill sets. They make big plays, but they make big plays happen in different ways, right? Like you said, George Pickens, you think he is, and you might be an outlier, but you've got teams in the league that are telling you that they agree with you, that they think that he might be the best pure prospect in this draft. But the other guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, uh, Traylon Burks, yep. Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, all of these guys on a lot of boards are rated up 
if not high in the first round, certainly capable of going in the first round. Do you have a name or two out of that group that maybe you've circled back to and maybe formed a little bit of a different opinion of than when you first looked at them back even six or eight weeks ago when we started breaking these prospects down? Because I think wide receiver was one of the first position groups that we tackled, wasn't it? I mean, it was one of the first yeah, it was. episodes we did. We dug into the wide receivers. Yeah, it's it's not a matter of revisiting, but just thinking it through. Um, I really like Garrett Wilson quite a bit. Um, I, I really think that he possesses higher level receiving traits. Um, and I think he gives you inside, outside flexibility. I think that's very important in today's NFL because you want to be in a position where you don't have to feel like players have to line up in a specific spot because that makes it easier to defend. You know, unless, of course, you have an unbelievably great receiver like a Cooper Cup who tends to line up in the slot uh, a, probably a higher percentage of the time. But I think that Garrett Wilson, to me, he's about six feet. He's 183. You know, maybe you'd like him to weigh a little more. But I think he is the receiver um, that really stands out in terms of how he can be deployed in an NFL offense. And, you know, you mentioned about wide receivers in general. You know, keep in mind that so many teams now are playing out of 11 personnel, meaning they have one back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. The Rams, they won the Super Bowl. They played out of 11 personnel over 80% of their offensive snaps. So I think the league has really moved in that direction, and you always need receivers, and you'd like to have receivers that you can line up in different locations within your offense. And Garrett Wilson is that guy. Thinking also about the top 10, and obviously I call Jets games, two of the top 10 picks are owned by the Jets. They have a young quarterback that you know they want to support. And their general manager has not just like surreptitiously publicly gone out and pursued big time wide receivers in this offseason and has not yet been able to add one. There are a lot of Debo Samuel rumors going on with the Jets right now. Uh, another team in Carolina. You know, they've got good skilled guys, but not top end wide receivers. Um, they still have Sam Darnold. They may draft a quarterback. Who knows? Uh, you have, you know, Atlanta that might be the market for a quarterback. Seattle obviously has made a quarterback change. Taking a look at the top 10, some of the teams I just ran through, which teams do you think might prioritize wide receiver? Or might prioritize either going in a different direction, maybe taking one of those quarterbacks. Could a quarterback be reached for? I mean, just the general concept of how the top 10 to top 12 fall, because we're wondering if these wide receivers are going to come off the board. But different teams, obviously, are going to have different ways of approaching the top 10 based on their needs. Yeah, and, and I would think that in the first round, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about first round players. I would think that your team absolutely needs to prioritize a wide receiver. Um, they drafted one in the second round a year ago in Elijah Moore, a player I like. They obviously signed Corey Davis. He's solid. But I think when you have a young quarterback, there's two things you'd really like to make sure you do. Number one, you'd like to make sure that your offensive line is solid. And I think they address that, certainly with Lakin Tomlinson, who'll start at guard. And I think they feel very good. You would know better than I being there. Uh, they feel very good about Vera Tucker. Um, I guess Becton becomes the question mark. But I think you want to make sure that on the outside, you have some threats. So I think they for sure. And then the other team, and I believe they draft eighth, and I think they have many needs, 
But right now, if you look at the Atlanta Falcons, I, I would bet that you'd be hard-pressed, unless you're a Falcons fan, to tell me their top three receivers. So I think that they absolutely need to address the wide receiver position, which doesn't mean they'll address it at pick eight, but they, there certainly will be a wide receiver at eight that they have rated highly on their board. I mean, right now, if you look at their wide receiver position, they have Auden Tate, Demir Bird, and Zacchaeus, Olamide Zacchaeus. Those are their three top wide receivers right now, um, unless you want to count Kyle Pitts as one as well, and he probably is to some extent. But right. that, that's their wide receiver trio as, as we speak this week, uh, Bob. That's Greg Cosell on Bob Shoes and the wide receivers. There is such depth of talent at that position, but still you've got these top-end names. Who else might be picked in and around the top 10? If it's not a wide receiver, what position group might bump the wide receivers down? Could be the tackles, could be the pass rushers, could be the corners, and will a quarterback or two sneak their way into the top 10? Will teams reach the teams that need one could that happen? We will straight ahead continue to tell you the top names that you're going to hear called on Thursday night and what teams will be calling those names when we come back on Tapehead's draft season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, 
Head over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Back on Tapeheads draft season, Bob Schusen and Greg Cosell. And Greg, we just dug into the wide receivers, and it is a strange dichotomy, as we said, with that position group. Top heavy, we expect, as you said, three or four names to go possibly in the top 10, but also there's a depth of talent. That's probably not true at some of the other position groups that a lot of mock drafts will tell you guys that are going to go in the top 10. So as you have dug deeper into, let's say, start with the pass rushers. Back about six or eight months ago, maybe last year, Kayvon Thibodeau was thought to be the no-brainer number one pick in this draft. Now, I don't think anyone has him anywhere as being the number one pick on the board. If it is a pass rusher, everyone seems to be leaning towards Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe it's a tackle. You know, maybe the idea for Jacksonville is let's protect Trevor Lawrence, the cover corners, the Stingleys, the sauce gardeners of the world. We expect to also be drafted very, very high. There's only 10 picks in the top 10, right? We probably just named with the wide receivers, with the pass rushers, with the corners, with the tackles, not even having gotten to quarterbacks, about 20 possible names. Someone's dropping out of the top 10. So which position group do you think is going to maybe create that early run Is it going to be those pass rushers, as so many are speculating, maybe all the way up at the top? You know, it's funny because I think there's a sense that Trayvon Walker is going to go very high. And Trayvon Walker is a very intriguing player because he's not a true edge rusher, but he could become one over time. He, He fits more of the mold, and I'm certainly not making a comparison to this particular player who just got into the Hall of Fame. I'm only mentioning him because of the way Trayvon Walker, I think, would be seen by teams, and that's Richard Seymour. Of course, Richard Seymour just got into the Hall of Fame, and he was 315 pounds. Um, Trayvon Walker is not 315 pounds. He's about 270. But if you're thinking about a player that can line up all across your defensive front and has a complete skill set, with pass rush traits that are probably still developing and evolving. He's the player. I think when we started talking about this four or five weeks ago, Bob, there was no sense that Trayvon Walker would be in the discussion as a top pick or a top three pick in the draft. And you, I remember bringing up Jermaine Johnson as well. Yes. Right. Hutchinson, Thibodeau, they got all the headlines, not just Walker, also Jermaine Johnson even a David Ajabo coming off of a major injury has very unique pass rushing skills. Someone that probably could have been a top 10 consideration before the injury, but Jermaine Johnson, I mean, from your analysis and even some teams you may be talking to, is he still thought of as being maybe the dark horse candidate to be the best pass rusher in this class? Uh, I think he's a little bit all over the board for people. Um, And again, I, looked at his tape in great detail. So I have my viewpoint based on tape study. He's a player that I really, really liked. I think, you know, that's the thing about this draft. I think Jermaine Johnson could be a top five pick or he could be go between 20 and 25. I think because of this particular class of pass rushers, I don't think anybody sees one at the level of a must have. So I think now you're getting into the eye of the beholder team and scheme specific, how they plan on deploying that particular player. Um, You know, we've seen someone like Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau has great get-off. He's a powerful man. Um, He does not have great bend when you get to the top of the arc. We talked about the fact that 
he's not really flat in his rush path kind of pass rusher. We saw him on tape, when you watch the Oregon tape, play inside and beat guards, much in the same way Jadavion Clowney has done well in his career in the NFL because it's turned out he's not truly an edge pass rusher either. So I think it's how teams envision these players within the context of their defense. Even someone like Aiden Hutchinson, who I think is going to be a very good pro, we saw him move inside at times in the Michigan defense. So I think you're dealing with versatility more than the one guy who is, wow, he is such a good edge pass rusher. We absolutely have to have him. Is there a team in the top 10? And a player in the top 10, maybe a team in the top five, if these guys you think legitimately, the Thibodeaux and Hutchinson's and maybe even the Walkers or Jermaine Johnson's might be in conversation for the top five, top seven. Is there a marriage between team and player, in your opinion, that makes the most sense? A team that should be targeting a specific guy because he's the right fit for what they need. And as you said, this is a lot of times based on schematics based on system, based on a coach's belief in playing a certain way. What's the best marriage, do you think, pass rusher to team high in the draft? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd be very curious what the Houston Texans are going to do. They've got so many needs, okay? So they're a team that could go in any direction. But we know that Lovey Smith is their head coach. And what do we know about Lovey Smith? We know that in his career, and he made some adjustments a year ago because he had to, but at his core, what Lovey Smith wants to do is rush for and play coverage. He's been a cover two coach much of his career. As I said, he had to make some adjustments last year because he had to, just based on his personnel. But he would like to rush four. Now, I'm not sitting here saying, because we don't know, that he absolutely is going to take a pass rusher. But I think they're a wild card in terms of pass rusher. Obviously, many people have them taking an offensive lineman. They certainly need a corner as well. So they're all over the board. It's why they're drafting third. But at Lovey's core, he wants to be able to rush the quarterback with four. You know, so is there a pass rusher in play for him? I would think there would be. Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, to me, is probably the the – I hate to use this word, but people use it, the safest, because I think he will be a very good pro, maybe not a dominant pro. You know, there's not he's not T.J. Watt when you talk about edge pass rusher, but I think he's a very consistent edge player who you can move inside in your sub fronts. Same question with the tackles, right? You've got Iquanu. He's probably, it seems as we've gone further and further in this draft. And I remember all the way back, we had some guests on, uh, I think Jeff Halfley actually yeah. when we brought him on from Boston college mentioned Aquano thinking he was the best tackle in the draft that he plays with just that nasty. I want to yeah. finish you. I want to block you to the wall of the stadium. If you're the guy, that's my responsibility. He's that type of a player. Obviously there are a couple of other guys um, that are in this mix as well towards the top of the draft. You've got Neil, um, you know, let's see who else we got on our list here that I want to talk to about. Yeah, so Charles Neil Cross. Charles Cross certainly is up there. Um, I guess maybe at second level, like a Tyler Smith. Um, you know, there there are guys that I think we're also going to hear some tackles called up are. at the top of the draft. So give me a marriage, but you think maybe with the young quarterbacks like the Zach Wilsons and you know Trevor Lawrence's of the world. 
I mean, as you said, if you're picking in the top five, top seven, top 10 of a draft, you need a lot, right? Like by definition, you're a team that needs a lot of different things. But if you have a young quarterback, I would think it has to be very tempting to spend a, t- a pick on a guy to protect him. Well, the biggest question with Iki Ikwanu is where do you play him? There are many teams in this league that have Ikwanu as a guard, not a tackle. Now, I think you can start him at tackle and see how it goes. But if you put him at guard, you know, there are certain players that came into this league that were drafted high. Brandon Sheriff is a name that immediately comes to mind. He was a left tackle at Iowa. Washington drafted him and immediately put him at guard, and he became an all-pro guard. Ikwanu has elite size, length, power, and the mindset to play guard. He does not have the ideal traits to play tackle, even though that's what he played for the most part at North Carolina State. And I believe that more than likely he will be, he will be drafted as a tackle. But he's a little straight-legged. He's a little lower body stiff. He's not ideal for the tackle position. So I am very curious. You know, I mentioned Houston. They obviously need a tackle as well. Um, so I don't know how they see Iquano. You could even talk about Jacksonville. We've heard that there's four players that sort of are in the running for their first pick. They could view Iguanu as a guard because they just signed Cam Robinson, who will be their left tackle. So, but but tackles could start going off the board because you're going to have the top three with Iguanu, Neal, and Cross, and then you're going to get into the the Trevor Pennings of the world, players like that who could easily start to come off the board. Corner. That's the other position yep. group that seems to be collectively thought of as being you know, star-driven in this draft. You've got Sauce Gardner and Stingley, right? They're guys that we are expecting to hear their names in the top 10 as well. We're starting to run out of spots in the top 10. But it does seem to be wide receiver, multiple guys, tackle, as we said, multiple guys, pass rusher, multiple guys, cornerback, multiple guys. So which teams do you think in the top 10 are going to be looking at Gardner, looking at Stingley, that might be the marriage for those guys specifically? Well, The Detroit Lions need corners, and they draft two. Now, again, then you get caught up in should a player go at two. In other words, could Sauce Gardner or Stingley go at two, and then people start with, oh, that's too high. Well, you know, if you have a need, and I come back to the conversation we had with Mike Tannenbaum, you know, a number of weeks ago with need versus must. At some point, you have to line up with players or you can't play. So it doesn't matter if, if let's say, Sauce Gardner, let's say he's the fourth player on your board, but you're the Lions at two and you really need a corner or you feel like you literally can't line up and be competitive. There's nothing wrong with taking him at two. Um, And I think Gardner and Stingley will end up being the top two corners off the board. And then you start to get into how people think about the Trent McDuffies of the world. You know, Trent McDuffie's the corner from Washington, who I think I think he's a really good prospect. Um, now, he's got some things in his game that could scare some teams, Bob. So maybe he's not a top 10 pick, even though his tape is really, really good. He's a little shorter than you like. His arm length is right on the edge of where corners are viewed in this league. Because when you get below a certain point, corners are not drafted with arm length below. I believe it's 29 inches, and McDuffie is just above that. Um, but Trent McDuffie's a really good prospect. Um, 
You know, then you get into his teammate, Kyler Gordon, who I think could also be a first round pick. So corners can go because the reality is it's interesting. We're talking corners and wide receivers because wide receiver and corner, they tend to be the two most drafted positions every year simply because of the way the league is going. If you're a defensive coordinator, you never have enough quality corners. Yep, and it makes sense. And we've kind of tackled the positions where we think multiple guys are going to be drafted potentially in the top 10, top 12 or so. But there are some wild card one-offs at certain positions that I want to get to next. Some guys that may be the only guy at their position that gets drafted in the top 10 or the top 15 but our guys that certainly could throw a monkey wrench into how most people are prognosticating the top 10, top 15 will go. We're just a few days away from the NFL draft. You get a new episode of Tapeheads draft season every day leading up to the draft, as well as Friday after round one. I'm Bob Oshusen with Greg Cosell. And we also haven't touched on the quarterbacks yet. And the quarterbacks are always lurking, even in a bad quarterback draft, quote unquote, as, you know, a, a possible wild card, right? Like guys that could be reached for, guys that could turn into top 10 surprises. So we're going to get to some of the one-offs, some of the players we haven't spent a lot of time on, and the quarterbacks when we come back on Tapehead's draft season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, 
Head over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Back here on Tapehead's Draft Season, Bob Shoes of Greg Cosell, leading up to round one of the NFL Draft on Thursday night, finally at the finish line. Finally, we're going to actually see some cards turned in and hear the names called. And Greg, we're going to do a deeper dive into all of the quarterbacks coming up in our Wednesday episode. But this is kind of the one-off segment, right? Like I'm looking for the guys that you think are going to be wild card players that could appear in the top 10, that haven't gotten as much conversation about them because they're not part of the group of corners, the group of wide receivers, the group of tackles or pass rushers, the guys that we think are all in play in the top 10. And then there's two other names that I want to bring up specifically that I also think are players we haven't spent probably as much time as we should on because they're kind of one-off guys. So if there was a quarterback, one guy, that you think a team might reach for in the top 10 and surprise everyone, who do you think that might be? Well, I'm going to play off your word, reach. And I think that player would be Malik Willis. Now, he would not be my number one rated quarterback in this draft class, but I think the reach is the key word here because Malik Willis gives you something that coaches now seem to put a higher premium on than ever before, Bob. And that's the ability to make those special secondary action improvisational plays. Now, Then you have to decide, and this is where it gets to coach and therefore team-specific, as to the value of that and the balance between that and being able to execute the offense as designed. And and that's the question. That is, it's, it's not a numerical quantitative answer to that question. It's very much open to discussion and to one's point of view. But I think there's a sense amongst people, right or wrong, that if Malik Willis would reach whatever his potential may be, that he has that special quality to do the kinds of things that help you win in big games. And I'm not I'm not making a direct one-to-one comparison to Josh Allen, because I personally think Josh Allen is the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL. Believe it or not, I actually said that a year ago before the 2021 season, and I think it kind of played out toward the end of the season. Um, But I think there's a sense that those kinds of plays that a Josh Allen can make, if Malik Willis can get to that point, then you have someone who's truly special. So he's the quarterback that I think is probably generating the most discussion in draft rooms. Uh, We're going to talk more about Malik Willis in our next episode when it drops, and we're going to talk about the entire quarterback class because quarterbacks obviously always draw the headlines, even in what is thought to be a weak quarterback draft. And Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, these are names we've spent a lot of time on and guys that could be reached for and could appear in the top 10. But here's two other guys before we wrap up this episode that I want to bring up. And obviously Kyle Hamilton has been talked about by some as being worthy of like a top two or top three pick in this draft. Um, Robert Sala, of course, with the Jets, was asked about whether or not Kyle Hamilton would just be too talented to pass up at number four. He did not close the door on that possibility way back when, called him a unicorn, right? So safety is a weird position. Some teams, safety could be the MVP of their defense, can cover the tight end, can be moved all over the field, 
if in combination with the rest of your defensive parts, you can take that guy and turn him into a true nightmare Swiss Army knife and put him everywhere. Some teams, they might just want safety back in, in center field because their corners might not be very good, right? Like, it, you really need to get a guy like that paired with the right team, the right system, and the right personnel. But where do you think Kyle Hamilton, in the end, might be kind of a fly in the ointment in the top 10 for some of these other you know position groups where we're predicting all of these guys to go high? Well, if you take the belief that Kyle Hamilton is a rare physical talent, which he is, he's 6'4 and an eighth, 220. And he is a do-it-all safety, okay? He 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 has all the needed traits, Bob, to handle all the responsibilities of the safety position in the NFL. And you really hit on an important point. I personally believe, based on all the tape study I do during the NFL season for the NFL matchup show, that safety is a really important position in the league right now. And I think the teams that don't see it that way, and and I'm not saying teams do, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the discussions in draft rooms. But I think we've reached the point where it's pretty self-evident that safety is a critical position. And Kyle Hamilton can do everything you ask of a safety. Now, it's always easy to say, I love when people say, well, a team has to figure out how to use them. I'm not sure exactly what that means because he can do everything you want him to do so you can line him up in multiple positions. To me, I watched him, and he's actually a bigger man. I thought he he was very similar to the way I thought of Derwin James in terms of deployment. James is probably twitchier and more short area sudden, and Hamilton is more straight-line fluid with more range. But James, when you see the way he was deployed in the Chargers defense a year ago, he did everything. Hamilton is the same guy. You can do everything with Kyle Hamilton. And to me, that makes him an extremely valuable player who is absolutely worthy of being taken in the top five. Another player that has been, I think, debated back and forth a ton, and I'm not sure we did a deep dive into him because we didn't do interior offensive linemen, and there may not be but one interior offensive lineman that you and many other you know, draft analysts have a really high, potentially high first round grade on. But Tyler Linderbaum, yeah. the center, right? Like he seems, and maybe he plays guard. Maybe he stays at center. I'm not sure. But we've spent a lot of time talking about the tackles. I, I'm not sure I ever got a deep dive from you on Linderbaum and what you think about him and how, you, how high you think he might go. Yeah, and, and I think, look, everybody knows his tape is really good and that he's a really good prospect. But he blew people away at his pro day with the kind of numbers that you just don't see from that kind of, of build. So he is a really good prospect. He's a great athlete. He's got incredibly light feet, great balance and body control. He was a high school wrestler. So, you know, he's got core strength. Um, he's The term we like to use that he has is snap to step quickness. It's really good. He's a great zone run blocker. And he can execute what are called reach blocks, which are extremely difficult blocks to execute in the zone run game. And you need movement and flexibility to do that. And he's really good. To me, he's a high-level center prospect. There have been a lot of comparisons made to uh, Jason Kelsey because they're both smaller centers, but they're extremely athletic. Um, normally, you don't think of centers going in the top 15. But again... You know, if, if you feel that you draft him and he's your guy and you're going to sign him to a second contract and he's your guy for seven, eight, nine years, 
I think you feel pretty good about that. Do you think he is worthy of the top 10? I mean, is he that talented wow. compared to how your analysis breaks down of some of these other position groups and how deep they can be? Well, here's the way I answer that kind of question. And I, I it's always interesting to me when people say a player or a position shouldn't be drafted in a certain spot. So if you're a team that, let's say, does not have a very good O-line, and I guess you could look at a number of those teams in the top 10 that fall into that category, and you don't address the O-line because people say, well, other than tackle, obviously, because people say, well, you don't draft a guard or a center that high, and then all of a sudden, Bob, and, and you've been through this with the Jets, and all of a sudden you get to week five, and one of the reasons your offense isn't very good is because your O-line isn't any good, then that's what the issue is. So the issue isn't what position group do you take in the draft at the end of April. The issue is when you get into the season and you can't pass protect or you can't run block. That becomes the issue. So you can, it's always easy to say, don't draft this position. Why do that? But... If you then you get to the games and that's the reason you're losing, that's a problem. It's not sexy, but I'll tell you this from firsthand perspective and firsthand experience. The last time the Jets were any good, they had Nick Mangold at center and they had DeBrickashaw Ferguson at left tackle. And they drafted them both in the first round about a decade and a half ago. I mean, keep this in mind. And you were doing the Jets in uh, the, the the year Sanchez, his first two years as a starter, okay? It was 2009 to- and 2010. They went to back-to-back championship games with a quarterback that absolutely produced, like, bottom five, bottom seven numbers at quarterback compared yeah, and, to the rest and of the in league. Yeah, the first year, they led the league in rushing. Correct. That he was there. The second year, I believe, they were third in rushing. So, again, we can sit here and say, well, that's not the NFL game now. That's irrelevant. The point is, is that if your O-line isn't any good, and, and that's why this year was so strange with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and I don't know how to put that into a, a capsule yet. And maybe no one does. But if your O-line is really bad, it's really tough to play offense. Yeah, I would look at the Bengals as the outlier. Yeah, so would I. And and I would look at the example of the Chiefs the past couple of years of when we saw the deterioration of their offensive line and saw Patrick Mahomes running for his life starting in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and at times this year and how hard even the most talented quarterback yeah. in the league, maybe the most complete package of athleticism, you know, creativity, accuracy, everything you'd want in a quarterback, you could make the argument, you'd package together, and it becomes Patrick Mahomes. If the guys up front aren't effective blocking for him, yeah, what what does it look like? I agree. So that's why it's easy to sit here, you know, and people like you and I, and, you know, hopefully people like what they hear, but it's easy for people like us to sit here and say things like, well, you don't draft that position at that spot. But, you know, I have the opportunity, fortunately, to talk to coaches. And when you don't have players at certain positions, that limits what you can do. And then you become so much easier to play against, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball. Yep, there's no question. Look, we're, we're going to be back tomorrow. We'll have a Wednesday edition of Tapehead's draft season to drop. And it will be time to take a deeper dive into all of the quarterbacks. Who is ready to step onto an NFL field next season as a rookie? Who's a project? Who's worthy of a reach? Who might be a player that a team might reach for? And then find out 
they might regret that decision if they do make that type of a reach. This is a fascinating quarterback class because you know these guys will probably go relatively high. There will be some quarterbacks, names called in the first round, but there's a lot of debate about how good this class may ultimately turn out to be. So our Wednesday edition with Greg Cosell of Tapehead's draft season is going to take that deep dive into the quarterbacks. Thank you for being a Tapehead. Please rate, please subscribe, and we will be joining you with our next episode dropping on Wednesday. We'll dive into the quarterbacks. Looking forward to that on Tapehead's draft season. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.